the window had been busted out and our gear, part of our gear had been stolen. Uh, there's nowhere to play up here at all. I'm sitting there kind of by myself, like waiting for my manners. And, and the mirrors, like they, the mirrors kind of like spin open like 90 degrees, like they kind of rotate open. And all these women in sexy lingerie can come walking out from behind the mirrors. I'm just well, going to throw this out there that it almost sounded like you were kind of the dark side sometimes of the scene. Just when I parted ways with monuments and say so it was a really, really desperate time of my life. At the end of it, our bass player told us, like, he just looked at us and was like, yeah, this is my last show. So, like, basically back to the beast era. Dealing with this alcohol intake and we're at a Christian festival and we're supposed to be a Christian band. I was kind of like, man, this, this sucks. This is not a good look. Welcome back to Dark Side of the Scene. I'm your host, Brandon, alongside Ed. Yeah, Ed. <laughs> Ed. Do you, oh. suffer, do you suffer from Ed? Right. We're going to get them pills. Little blue you know, wonders. Yeah. You know what makes me hard? So, like, I got a, I got a good <laughs> rant here. <laughs> I, uh, where's, I'm not going to say, I guess if you can already guess, if you follow my page or whatever, but I'm just going to rant about the shit. So <clears throat> we had a, a show coming up this Friday at a, a decent venue with a really big band and communication was kind of crap because apparently the venue was trying to figure out between the big bands, uh, whatever uh, manager team and well, I didn't get much information because they were trying to figure out what time we're supposed to. I, I guess let me start all over. I didn't know we were getting the show. I'd asked for it like last month through like a street team guy who's real nice. And he asked and I said, man, can we open for that? And he asked and they didn't get anything from the camp from this big band. And then like within a couple Fridays ago, which gives us less than two weeks, they're like, they he asked if we wanted it i'm like i guess i mean i didn't i mean i just think that was kind of last minute which i don't know i heard i heard different things that like the one production manager asked this other band if they want to play it but they wanted to put down like 500 dollars. and i'm like i've never heard of pay to play at this certain venue that's why i found that kind of weird that they even said that well, who knows the source Half the time, I don't believe anybody. And if if my guitarist tells me this, and half the time, he's a shitty judge of character anyway. So I'm like, <laughs> anyway, so I just found it odd that we got it last minute versus anybody else. So then I'm waiting for these tickets. And they finally come, like, Monday. And I'm like, how are we supposed to offload? Apparently, they wanted to sell 25 tickets before we made any money. And I'm like, Pfft all right whatever i mean we're not technically paying to play we're basically playing for free <laughs> so which i don't care whatever and then all of a sudden the band cancels well actually my singer said oh man the singer for the band's sick he posted it on like a live video i'm like okay maybe he'll be better by then i think he told me saturday 
And then the band canceled Friday, but they have a show the next day in Lake Michigan, which so far is still going on. So what I gather is, as my other friend had said, that a lot of signed bands, if they don't make enough, if they don't feel feel the venue is going to make them enough money, they're going to cancel. So, I mean, hmm? how many people does this venue hold? I've never been there. I don't really know what the capacity is, but you think you'd, you'd look that up as like a tour manager. Well, I've only recently learned about the show once you said something about it like a week ago, and mm. I didn't think it was a whole lot of time to try and be promoting a show for a big band like that. So they probably saw the attendance on a Facebook post and realized that it wasn't going to be anything worth their while. But I guess for me to think about, what if, if I was in a big band, would I really start acting that way? Would I be like, those people aren't worth my time. That venue is not worth my time anymore. It's, I mean, I don't really listen to them. I like him because a certain member is in that band, but he's not really an original member. But it's like, like at one point, do you feel like you, it's almost like, what do you call that? Your privilege is showing. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm not too mad about it because I'm not worried about offloading tickets now. But it was really stressful trying to lack of information from certain people. Like, the whole other than my thing guy, sucks in general, I think, but that's just me. Oh yeah, but that's how it. I mean, that's how it was when we've been we played there before. I don't really care as long as we're not paying anything out of our pocket, but that's fine. I don't mind selling, but. I don't know. It was just, it was just a bombard of a bombardment of annoyance because I was like stressing out trying to get everybody to like, you know, contact me for these tickets or we'll set you up will call. So I have to drive around everywhere to hand out these fucking things last minute. And then like, I don't know. I feel like my band was more disappointed that it canceled than I was. And then I ended up getting like a, a last minute show somewhere else. Then one person complained, and then, you know, as I always say, if you don't like it, you should book. So then another guy tried, and then the other one was complaining about how too far it was because he had to work the next day. And I'm like, it's just a one whole day of annoyance. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. It's it's a common trend. (laughs) Like, no matter what goes on, Shows get canceled. Other band members bitch about everything. Partially why I don't even want to do a band. And I want, I'm torn. I want to do something. I don't want to do something. I I would like to do something. I just don't want to have to have the responsibility of being involved. <laughs> that makes any sense. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind being a little involved, but I hate it. And I told him, I don't like to do this. I don't like booking. It's too stressful for me because it's bad enough I'm the majority of songwriter. Like, I just want to write songs. So it's like, I don't know. It, it, this whole like show like put a bad taste in my mouth. I mean, yeah. again, I don't know whether to be shitty about what the band did, the main band, or not. I mean, 
no one will really know what happens. It's huh? just it's one of those things. Well, uh, again, if they're playing in Michigan, and the, suddenly the singer ain't sick no more, then that the, then what holds true is that they weren't going to get their money enough money, and that kind of that kind of shit happened with a uh, in this area. We had a pretty cool club, and this certain band with the cars and a hot rod car's name the singer got sick and then the show never happened but i think they pulled out because there was not enough people to go to their show and it's like is that cool to do or are, are these people like suddenly have privilege because they're a major label that they could just do what they want yeah i don't know like i i would play anywhere but like I don't even know if it's the band's fault. Are are these like people working for them? Are they that greedy? <laughs> the band probably doesn't know anything about it. They haven't posted about it either. The the cancellation on their official thing. Yeah. Again, so, I think they have bigger bands like that. Typically, have people that run all that shit for them, so they probably aren't really involved in it. But yeah, I went ahead and sent the invite to this guy we got coming on here tonight. It could be him by himself or it could be an entire band. We're not sure. So anyone out there listening, this could be an interesting episode. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But if you want to be on dark side of the scene, send an email to Brandon at dark side of the scene.com. We can get you scheduled. If you've ever been felt like you've been fucked over by a big band because they canceled a couple days before your show. We want to hear about it. <laughs> If you've ever gotten put on a tour bus and they made you do bad things, want to hear about that too? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so hang tight with us. And once these fellers get on here, we will uh, come back to you. I'd like to take the time to welcome our guests to the show tonight, Sam and Brian. Thanks for coming out and talking with us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yes. This is the first time we've had multiple people on that were on separate, uh, I guess, uh, remote areas. We've had one band before that were all grouped together, and it sounded like ass, but hopefully this turns out better. Hopefully. Where are you guys from? I'm from Olympia, Washington. I am from Spokane, Washington, the other side. So how far of a distance is that between you? I'm too stupid right now. Uh, so it's just, we take that main freeway all the way across and it's like four hours, 45 minutes. Oh, shit. You must speed. It takes me five and a half hours. <laughs> so, uh, wow. Yeah, I drive like Washington speed, so it's like five miles over the speed limit. But all I picture is like trees and pine trees and more pine trees. And I don't under one maybe one bridge. I don't know. Huh. No, not until you get to uh until you get to about Yakima or so, and then you'll start seeing trees, but most of the time it's just like flat land, like valleys and all that other crap. And uh, it's a really boring drive up until then. Mm -hmm. The pass is pretty. That's about it. Sweet. So what what's your band called? We're called No Living Witness or Progressive Technical Death Metal. Yes. And how did you? Okay, so if you 
And your members are all spread out. Is that what you said earlier? Mm -hmm. So how did you like collectively meet? Because that's kind of quite a distance. I mean, four hours, I barely, I don't even like driving 50 minutes to go band practice, but (laughs) well, it's, it's kind of unique here in Washington because in Washington state, there are five drummers that could play, uh, technical death metal. Um, Nick Pierce has already spoken for, Mm. um, and the rest of them are already in five other bands and just don't have time. Um, or they're just interested in creating like uh, YouTube content and all that other crap too. So, oh yeah, that's your neighbor, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's a nice guy, but I've actually never met him before. So, well, maybe we'll meet him this weekend. Um, yeah. But uh, we we were on hiatus for quite a while because uh, we had our drummer leave uh, like eleven years ago or something like that, and we couldn't find a drummer. But uh, I was starting a new career and having kids, so I kind of took a break, and mm-hmm. we got it started up again. And I went to a show in Portland and got introduced to a couple people. And through the lovely Facebook algorithm of adding new people, it kept throwing suggestions at me, and I found our drummer Devin. Um, and someone said, "Oh yeah, you should definitely talk to him." And I just messaged him. I was like, "Hey, uh, I need a drummer, and I'm in Olympia." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm down. Send me the music." He's like, "Yeah, I'm I'm your guy." Um, I've always had my vocalist he's always just lived five minutes from me Mm -hmm. Um, and then we were we were playing a show as two four shows as a three piece and just backtracking bass and second guitar Mm. Um, and I knew Brian from Facebook of course um, because he's a very talented concert photographer um, and a great guitarist as well and he actually came to our Tacoma show just to take pictures and hang out with us because you know, it's the metal scene around here is very, very close and everybody kind of knows each other. Mm. Um, and then he just came up after the show. He's like, Hey, are you guys looking for a second guitarist? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, I'll do it. I was like, all right. <laughs> and then by chance we had ha- happened to stumble across uh, Cameron Poras. Is that how you pronounce it? Brian Poras? Uh, yeah, that's, I'd, I'd say that sounds more correct than I would pronounce it. Yeah. Um, he plays guitar and <clears throat> writes the music, uh, for inanimate existence. Um, and things are kind of getting quiet over there. So he was looking for something to do. So he asked if we were looking for somebody and we sent him stuff and now we have a five piece all of a sudden. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Usually like it's hard to get people to like, you know, co- even conversate or even like come to a show and just start talking about that. Most of the time yeah. I'd go to a show and it's just like, I leave, <laughs> I mean, but right. Um, so I guess I'm going to ask, so if you're in different cities, how's, how's your metal scene in each of your cities or yeah. Um, I'd say in Spokane, it's definitely more or less. It's, it's good. I wouldn't say uh, it's God, what's the best way to phrase this. Uh, it's definitely more, like deathcore centric where you know a lot of the bands here kind of take after traitors and uh lord ashore and it's more or less in the vein of that rather than it is for technical death metal which is why i've always kind of struggled for the past 10 years that i've lived in spokane to try to start a band um i wouldn't say it's bad i feel like people will show up though regardless of what you play Mm. that's good Uh and uh olympia's 
it's kind of like a baby Portland, Oregon. Um, Portland is very like, like, like black, black metal, death grind, like dripping. Like, nice. Like they, they love it to be raw and not polished. Um, and in a good way, of course, I'm not trying to talk down to it because right. we prefer the more polished way because we're, that's, that's our, our vein, like in fairy stuff like that. Um, and there is there's some deathcore, but it's mostly very like true death metal and black metal. Yeah. Um, but you know, you go to a show in Tacoma, and usually you're going to see the same people you see. And so any show you go to, you always have a friend there, whether you show up alone or not. Yeah, that's a it's a very open community, much more than it used to be. You know, 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah that's a that sounds great because we don't really have much of that. I mean. It's funny as you guys said that. Like, I actually watched it. I don't know if it was an ad or something showed up. It was like another deathcore with a female chick, and it's just the same like generic shit. And I'm like, somehow this is probably going to be popular. And I'm like, another band we don't need. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a death metal kid, but like, I I like it all. But it's like, you can't possibly be more deathcore than deathcore. It's like. There's nothing original about that, but that's just my opinion. Anyway, uh, you're so, dropping someone off there. Uh, oh, so it's like none of it, <laughs> none of it. No, ever, cool. You know, I'm like not a that, deathcore fan. Well, because a lot of it doesn't have any melody in it. It's just like done, done, done. And I'm like, there's a place for that. There's but, a lot of newer deathcore that has a lot of melody and ambience to it. Right been really nice to hear and not so much like the lorna shore style um and i can't think of any i don't listen to deathcore but right um from what i've heard like there's a lot of good stuff coming out that's that's doing something different than deathcore was 10 years ago where it was just halftime breakdowns right and yeah i actually got into that conversation with a buddy yesterday i think and um we were just kind of joking around about how like a lot of deathcore is either like it either just it hits the spot or it could just go, you know, just go away for the rest of your life and you wouldn't, you know, blink twice about it. Um, but it's also funny to me because, you know, I've talked to bands like the last 10 seconds of life, for example, where they take a lot of their influences from bands like sleep um, and a lot of the other sludgy doomy bands out there. And it's like, mm. A lot of people from that crowd would just not look at a band like that twice because of you know their musical inspiration but like when you actually start to for for the sake of being punny when you start to like break it down <laughs> uh, like you can actually start to pick up on those influences in their music and i think that's actually something that's kind of cool about that band in specific that's so funny you mentioned that about listening to the influence of a band you like like i never I never got into Deeds of Flesh for one reason or another. I don't know how. Um, but all of a sudden, I started listening to them like a few, few, a few months ago. And it popped on. I was like, this is amazing. And I'm listening to it. I'm like, oh, so the Zenith Passage likes them. The Faceless likes them. Oh, I, I hear Inferi likes them too. Like you, you hear the influences of the people that you are influenced by. Right. It's yeah. an interesting bridge. Yeah. Of course, the Faceless is like pretty unbeatable you know everybody oh, tried to rip, rip them on but anyway yeah <laughs> it'll be interesting to get that guy on here but oh, anyway. isn't it just the one guy now because all the band has quit him yeah he's 
he's had some troubles. Hopefully it's behind him. It's it's a shame because that guy is a fucking genius. And it's like, what goes through your mind, man? I think like his brain is so powerful with mm-hmm. technical riffs that he has to do drugs to like slow it down, I would assume. I don't know. Like yeah. I was gonna That's... make this comment about Deathcore, not to interrupt, but sure. When we used to play around here, and this was probably back in oh nine. 2010 era kind of when deathcore was becoming like more popular in at least our area my buddy always referred to them as binary code bands because it's all <laughs> zero and ones <laughs> that's pretty funny binary code <laughs> so that was what we'd refer to the deathcore bands back in the day was just binary bands mm, it's fair yeah so basically back on top so like you know this show is basically about like nightmarish things that happen in your guys's career bad venues bad band members you know like you guys got any kind of interesting stories about that <laughs> you know what's funny is i was actually racking my brain the entire time yeah. um i wasn't even sure if i was going to be able to make it you know on tonight after work because uh you know it's like i get off work at 5 30 then have to you know drive half an hour home and i was like well, you know, I don't want you guys to wait up for me, but Sam was like, no, dude, it's cool. Just drop in, whatever. So, hi. Uh, <laughs> what and that whole ride home, I was kind of racking my brain like, what the hell has gone on? And I actually did think of something. Um, so it's going to be kind of a different take than you're probably used to. Sure, um, sure. And it mostly revolves around kind of coming back to normal life after, you know, playing shows or doing whatever. Um, this actually happened before I joined No Living Witness. It was right around April of last year. I was actually on my way to go shoot. Um, I was on my way from Spokane to Portland to go shoot um, Inferi, Bulvidinia, uh, Archspire, and... Um, Entheos, you prick. Thank you. I was going to say, who else played with them? It's ironically my favorite band on that list, too. Um, I went to go shoot them in Portland, and then the next night I was going to go catch Noctambulist and Sunless at High Watermark. Um and on my way there, we got to about halfway, and then I get a call from my landlord who's like, hey, so I know you're, um, I don't know if you've been dodging our phone calls or what, but, you know, we, 45 days ago, we gave you like a 90 days notice, like, hey, we're selling the house, and we haven't heard back from you. Oh. And we were like, no, we didn't get any letters. No, we didn't get any phone calls. This is the first time we're hearing about this. So it's like, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, what the hell are we going to do, you know? And it just, it kind of put the sour taste in our mouth for the entire trip, you know? Cause it's like, mm. you know, I can go out and enjoy this as much as I want, but it's like, at the end of the day, I do have to go home and I do have to scramble to find a new living situation Fuck. in 45 days, especially in uh, Eastern Washington, where it is very much a seller's market as far as houses go. Oh, um, damn dude. So like, for example, the house, you know, Obviously, we ended up finding a house and we ended up making it work. It was it was a little rough, but um, we ended up finding a pretty good house for a pretty good deal. Um, but yeah, that that kind of shit just happens from time to time, and it's honestly just stuff that we don't think about happening. No. You know how everything you know, and it's one of the things that I've kind of taken for granted especially like over this past weekend because we know we just went and played a few shows out in bend and uh yeah come on tacoma and it's just like one of those things that we didn't really i i guess 
I didn't really have any sort of mental capacity to have anything negative go on in my mind this weekend. And I am just forever, forever grateful for that. Um, but it's also just like, you know, kind of the same thing that happened was like, I was going to these shows to enjoy myself and go relieve for a little bit, go meet some cool people, go hang out with a bunch of my buddies. And then it's like, cool. Now I got this shitty thing looming over my head, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, like I said, it all worked out, but it's like, it definitely did just sort of take away from everything at the time. Yeah. Like <clears throat> you're trying to have a good time and there's something back in reality that's yet, you know, you have to come back to, and that is a really hard aspect. Um, like all th- me, you, you and I, and Devin both had a really challenging first half of the week already. Cause we had an amazing weekend where we played shows and it was really well attended and we did well. And then we come back to our work week and <clears throat> we're sleep deprived. Uh, you know, we're tired. We're malnourished because we were daring enough to eat Taco Bell twice in the same day. Um, and then, you know, you come home to, you got to go back to work ASAP. We can't just take more time off. And um, that's, you know, it's just one thing after another. So that, that is definitely a big part of it is coming back to reality after even just a short tour. Yeah. And like what he was saying about his apartment, I feel like that's reflections of the times lately that a landlord would pull that shit. I bet you he never told you and he just could do that because he could because of how things are. It's like, haha, I, I just feel like he didn't give a shit. Well, if, and that's kind of the shitty part too is um, yeah. it's like, especially in today's market, um, you know, you can get a house appraised for like, let's say you can get a house appraised for like 300K and um, the owner of that house is well within the rights to uh, ask that. And then people will actually like bid above that. So you, you can list a house for like 300K and then you'll eventually end up selling it for like 375, $400,000. Sounds so right. Just because huh. so many people are trying to move up here and so many people are like wanting houses, you know? And it's just, I don't know how we ended up getting so lucky, but uh, basically what happened was um, in the house that we're in now, they ended up, um, getting the house appraised for like, I think it was like 285 and it's like, you know, it's a two story house and it's a little bit older, you know? And, um, but the catch was, is that once you get a house appraised, you aren't able to get it appraised. And I guess they didn't realize that you aren't able to get it like appraised until like another year or something like that. And then <laughs> the owners didn't realize that. So they got it appraised for about 285. They did all these renovations to it. And then when they tried to get it appraised again, they were like, Oh, well it's still 285 because it hasn't been like the full year yet. So they eventually just kind of gave up and decided to sell the house for that. So. Yeah. So, I was going to ask, how long have you guys been a band together? I forgot to ask that. Well, Brian's been in the band since November. Uh, okay. But no living witness has been around since 2007, maybe. Oh, shit. That's a long time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we were very active until about 2010 um maybe 2011 i'm not sure and then a very long break and then we came back this last september Mm. so we were just kind of an online band ish kind of so you never went on a tour or anything like that just we've done a tour um i definitely got some good stories from that for you yeah that would be interesting to hear for sure so (laughs) uh this was i believe it was 2010 
the tour was with the band from our area called Super Happy Storytime Land. <laughs> um, and they were Are just, they still they're, around. Uh, they're they're around in in some aspects. They have a new death like a death grind band called Prolapser. Um, which is not just as, lovely. Not as cool. I actually love that band. Unironically, they come to oh, Spokane all the time. Nice. Um, yeah, and Super Happy Storytime Land was just—it was like fun metal band. Like mm-hmm. all of their songs were about positive things. Like they had a song called Mopar ninety or eighty-eight point five. Um, song called Fishing with Dad. A song called <laughs> Bear Astronauts. Just, just silly. Like they just had fun. Kind yeah. of a party band. <clears throat> um. And we booked a tour with them called Hot Meat and Dope Treats. Um, and it was a, a West Coast tour <laughs> down to Albuquerque and back. And we based the whole tour around uh, a festival in Albuquerque called Gathering of the Sick Fest. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to, I think it was around for 10 or so years. Um, it was pretty big. Uh, you know, Fluja played, um, Abysmal Dawn played. Um, so we, we based it all around that. Um, and we get to the venue, um, and it's, it's August, it's hot. Um, and the promoter wasn't there Mm. and the, you know, there are flyers up and stuff, but we go in, nobody's there. It's just the, the touring bands. And like, I walk around, it's, I go to like, there's a tattoo shop down the store, uh, down the street and no, in the same block, like three doors down. And I walk in there and like, hey, you guys going to the show tonight? They're like, oh, there's a show tonight? And, you know, they're wearing like metal shirts. I'm like, wow, this guy really just ditched out. Um, So (laughs) the only people that were at the show were the other bands that were playing. And um, it was probably 110 degrees in there. So I think the whole time I was playing, my eyes were closed because the sweat was just burning my eye. Um, And... uh, I think the two headlining bands were the only bands to get paid because um, oh. you know, everybody everybody had a guarantee. We didn't ask for much, but we still didn't get it. So it was definitely disappointing. Um, it, it was a fun tour, but it was also very, it was a DIY tour. Um, you know, I think uh, the drummer from Super Happy booked most of it. And I think I, I booked maybe one or two dates mm. out of the tour. So um, um, back to that, like, I mean, obviously, you guys had a sound guy. Did he not know anything about what the you know the misinformation? <laughs> what What do you mean, sound guy? Did you have a sound? Was there a provided sound guy for that? Yeah, festival? there there were people at the venue, um, and you know, the people there were people working there, but I I never saw the promoter, and that was the last year. He just it kind of just seems like he just bailed on it. Oh, yeah, mm. nice, definitely definitely disappointing yeah but it was a fun tour a lot of shenanigans mm. um some fun things and not fun things i still got plenty of stories from this tour if you want more <laughs> sure don't go ahead Fire right, i'm gonna uh-huh. blow my nose really quick here you got the because beast have allergies. actually i think we forgot to tell you like we don't call it the c word but we call it the beast if we have to like refer to that good old uh, virus thing oh we call it the beast that's the nickname yeah. i forgot all yeah. about that rule yeah no, i like I liked the beast. That that beast was good to me. I sell beer for a living, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure it was good for you. That's yeah. all people did was drink during the beast era. Yeah. yeah. So okay, so we went on tour. It was August, and we had a 17 passenger van, and the air conditioning was broke, and the windows did not roll down. <laughs> um, except for like the the windows, you know, right by the uh, the drivers, 
Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, just those tiny little triangular windows. Um, I, I don't remember most of the tour just because I have terrible memory. But apparently, we played in Redding, California. Uh, we played at this bar. And then when we were done playing, we literally grabbed all our gear and walked across the street to another bar and played the same night at another bar. Hell and yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember that. Um, and then we stayed at this dude's house who was friends with the band. Um, and he kind of lived at, out in the middle of nowhere. It was almost like a farm. Um, I think three of them, th four of them slept in the van because we had a keyboardist at the time. And me and my bassist slept in a tent with, uh, we each had a cot. Hmm. And, uh, and they're like, hey, don't don't sleep on the ground because they're like snakes and stuff and sometimes scorpions. Uh -oh. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. All right. Cool. So uh, my bassist and I go to sleep and I'm sleeping and I hear, Sam, Sam. I'm like, well, he goes, don't move. I was like, why are you telling me not to move? Oh, shit. He's like, open your eyes, but slowly. And I see what I think is a dinosaur in our tent. Uh, it turns out it's about four and a half foot tall turkey. Um, <laughs> and it's just sitting there looking stupid like a turkey. And so <laughs> we just kind of slowly get out of our sleeping bags and leave the tent. We go over to the van and everybody is standing outside of the van. I'm like, there was a turkey in our in our tent. He goes, yeah, there was a fucking turkey in our van, dude. I was like, really? And I go in there and the turkey literally pooped on our toilet paper roll that we kept in the van for these emergencies damn he was domesticated yeah sort of. so he knew what to do i would have just like i, I would have stayed in the fucking in the sleeping bag and then just try to attack him yeah but i mean I, like you would have had protection it would have ran away hopefully dude, it was a big turkey oh shit it was i i'm i, I thought it was a dinosaur for a good reason oh those uh, big, yeah they're pretty big yeah, I would have killed it and took it for for the road. Some meat. That's oh yeah, that's fair. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so more adventures with this is uh, a couple nights later we played the Bay Area, um, and as we're driving into the Bay Area, we're just kind of driving around downtown San Francisco ish, and our brakes start smoking. <laughs> um, I don't know if you're familiar with the hills of San Francisco, but I've, they're very I've steep. Heard. Yeah. And there's a lot of them. And uh, our brakes are smoking and catch on fire a little bit. And we somehow make it to Half Moon Bay, which is a, a really popular park um, in the Bay Area. And we, I think one person in the band had a smartphone at the time because this was before smartphones were really big. Right. And we found an auto store that was going to be open the next day or like a mechanic. So we get there, we get drunk on the beach, have a good time. <laughs> and they fix our brakes. I think it cost like 700 bucks or something because it was drum brakes and they were just completely seized up. Um, and then we get to the venue that night uh, or the next night, sorry. And uh, it's the, the Octopus Lounge, I think. Yeah, in Pacifica. Um, and, you know, you, you book a show. It's, you're not always booking it with a promoter. You're booking it with the venue. And the venue's job is to host the show. They mm -hmm. don't have to promote it. That's what a promoter does. And we didn't go through a promoter. So we get there and it's just one of those shows where it's it's the bands playing to the other bands. <laughs> and 
maybe there were five people at the show uh i, I would assume and i think everyone but me and my drummer uh got just blind drunk um my guitarist actually played the whole set in the wrong tuning <laughs> because he didn't realize it um and we asked about payment at the end of the night and they're like yeah you guys you guys drank more than we actually made so no <laughs> wow um i mean which is it's fair i because i didn't book all of it it was you know the the drummer from super happy booked it and you kind of just do what you can hmm. um and this is definitely lesson learned now because when we play a show we asked what the if it, if it's a guarantee per band or if it's a door split so we know what to expect yeah um and back then we just never did that we just someone asked us to play the show be like yeah we'll be there or we'd you know ask you know the big venues if we could open up for the touring bands and we'd play and not get paid and we just we never thought anything of it um and now it's it's a big focus for us um so it's kind of a lesson learned right Um, yeah you you guys were younger so you probably didn't know any better right (laughs) you know yeah yeah and you know we got to a point where we didn't have to play every single show that was offered to us like we made the mistake of opening for moto grader i don't know if you remember them i'm I'm familiar (sighs) didn't the vocalists of that band become five finger facebook band i don't know (laughs) yeah um yeah ivan moody used to be in moto grader oh nice yeah we played how i know that i I think yeah (laughs) we opened the show and they're like there were 10 people at the show you know it was at el corazon in seattle it was a which is premier venue for metal bands and yeah. uh, it was us and i think maybe one other local or another band they were touring with and they actually have an instrument called the moto grader and it took them forever to set up and they had like all this face paint on and stuff like that and we played our show and got our stuff packed up in the van and then they started to play <laughs> we all just looked at each other it's like let's just leave <laughs> and we just left <laughs> it was just it was so terrible it was just like crappy industrial new metal. Oh, just couldn't stomach it. <laughs> yeah, uh, we played with something like that <coughs> opening up, but we won't discuss that. <laughs> wow. I yeah. was, so, like, basically, this one tour you did, just did or you did, was it just self-funded? Oh Obviously. yeah. Oh, oh my wow. god. <clears throat> and we didn't even have a band fund. Like, everything was paid out of pocket. Ooh. Um. I paid for most of the gas and mm. everybody dropped what they could. Um, it's, I don't think we got paid by any of the venues, maybe, maybe 200 bucks for the whole tour. We actually left two days early. There was Idaho and Salt Lake city left. And we're like, let's just go home. This sucks. Oh. Um, just cause there was, there wasn't anybody at the shows. We weren't making any money. And we just, we spent so much money on gas and so much money fixing the van that we just, we just ended up going home. Um, but I mean, you know, you're, you're new, you get things started. You don't know what to expect, mm. but now we know <clears throat> how to do things properly. Like when we just did our, our three day weekend of shows, we have a band fund. So we don't, we didn't pay for anything out of pocket yeah. so that way we can actually afford to do stuff like this. Now, do, <clears throat> do you guys think like, well, now that you know better, obviously they're older, but like, do you think nowadays it's better as far as like how things are organized from the other side? I don't know. I, like, 
I honestly Obviously, don't know just because my no. memory is so bad. I mean, like, do they actually pay you now and like know that it's expected, or are they just like, oh, we have a show today? I forgot. Yeah. I I wonder. It's just I don't. We never asked right. back then. I think was the problem. So okay. now we, when we book these shows, once you know we put a firm hold on the date, and we tell them what other bands are playing, we ask what their payout policy is. Yeah. Um, and we just go from there. It's not a contract, but it's a written it's a written agreement, which is good enough for me. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm sure more people like to do contracts and stuff I don't like think that, I've but... I've my 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 crappy band I've yet to see like something written or contract. I, mean, I guess we have not had anything like that. Yeah, I've never never signed anything or asked for a writer or catering or anything like that, but like I'll barter um like we just played in Yakima and um it wasn't through a promoter, it was just through the bar, so it wasn't it wasn't well attended, but uh when we booked the show, I was like we'll get the the opening band and it's these touring bands and uh he said i could get you like 300 bucks and i was like well you know there's there's three of us and gas is a lot can you do a little better he's like uh i'll, I'll bump it up and i'll feed you guys we're like that we can definitely work with that right, i think sub- i was the only one that ate because nobody else eats for some reason uh they didn't want their subway quiznos <laughs> band quiznos yeah, <laughs> I feel like you, we needed to play out west because three hundred dollars is what I was end up getting to pay every single band on a bill from venues. <laughs> oh, that'd be nice. Like it, the hundred like, is our like bare minimum we ask for because that covers gas and a little bit more. Yeah. So if we get a hundred bucks, I'm, that's fine. Unless it's a packed show and there's a lot of people there, then I would expect a little bit more than that. Yeah, so the, the place that I booked would always give me $300 and I had to split it up amongst all the bands. So I always try to just keep it at three bands. That way each band yeah. came away with a hundred bucks. Absolutely. That's probably the way to go. Yeah. Shit. I'll, I'll play there again. Fuck it. <laughs> what venue is that? It's a, it's a bar here in my local town. It's basically, there's actually two of them that I played at. I have the same deal at, but. I was supposed to be doing all the metal bookings for this venue, bar, whatever you want to call it, and the Beast happened. I'd book like two or three shows and the Beast happened, and then it just kind of went out the window just because everything was shut down for Maybe a while. Maybe he thought you died. Like, he died, and then, like, you never showed up well, again. We went to that show a month or so ago. He looked at me and said, hey, what's up? I was like, hey, how you doing? So he knows I'm alive now. He just hasn't ever reached out to he, me. So. He got the beast. We got the Beast brain where everybody forgets shit. So you you book shows and play in a band? I used to be in a band. We haven't done anything since. I really don't know why. Everyone just kind of, during the summer lockdown or whatever of 2020, everyone just kind of decided that we weren't doing shit. And then we needed a new drummer and then couldn't find anyone. So everyone just kind of said, okay, we're going on hiatus. And that's kind of where we've been at for the last three years. Drummers are the worst, man. They're so hard to find. We can find a drummer, but with the stuff we play, we want them to be able to play to a fucking metronome or a click track. And for some reason around here, when you tell a drummer a click track, they like have a seizure or something and like freak out because they can't figure it out. It's like, you're a fucking drummer. How can you not keep time? Oh my God. We've been playing our drummer, our requirement for the last, since 2009 has been yet to play to a click track because we run samples. Yeah, that's what we were doing. We had live tracks and samples and everything. 
instead of having a keyboard player, all of our synth was programmed because that's one less person to fucking deal with. Yeah. 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 My time is good enough. And then they just argue because they want to play with the click track. They'll say well, exactly like that. We did have a keyboard player in the original incarnation or incarnation, whatever the hell you want to call it, of the band. But, and I'm still on talking terms with the guy, so I won't say nothing negative because he's a cool dude, but we have a song dedicated to him called Sexual Creature, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> gotcha. That's a wonderful <laughs> name. Well, he told me he was a sexual creature and he had needs, so that is the <laughs> end of the song. Like that's me all. screaming. <laughs> so yeah. That's a whole other dark side of the scene story right there, but we won't get into it on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I book try to book shows for my van, and then sometimes there's this venue here that lets me kind of because he put the he didn't put me solely in charge of the metal shows. I'm the one that like you know, he asked me, should I start <coughs> having bands here? I'm like, yeah, so sometimes a band will hit me up to like play this place it's usually just like it's a nice little dui record store and it's the door split whatever just depends on who it is normally i have to get somebody like larger as far as local to at least like get people in the door because nobody as you guys know like if you're a band from outside nobody's really gonna know who you are unless you're somebody bigger you know what i'm saying so it's like that just helps offset everything so at least somebody gets paid decent like we're having a band from michigan play next saturday and they're kind of coming in through like a tour date so i said hey you guys can play here i told them door split whatever so mm-hmm. it's you know our, our our town isn't really metal friendly but there's it's since it's all ages that's usually what kind of keeps it going like all those old dui all ages shows man that's what's hard about around here is getting an all ages show in the called the puget sound area of yeah. washington is incredibly difficult there are two venues in olympia that do all all ages shows one of them is tiny mm. the other one um doesn't have a sound system so if you book a show you have to bring your own sound system yeah and ugh, i don't i don't want to deal with that right there's nothing tacoma there's seattle mm. at substation that's about it yeah that's a is it brian right the other guy sorry brian yeah. you're a photographer right uh yeah so like i'm sure you got like interesting stories about you know taking band pictures can't leave you out Uh, you know (laughs) uh you know actually um i originally kind of got my footing into the spokane scene um because i was doing load-in and um you know it was actually right after the whole uh there was one specific band that had a pretty big incident here and I'm sure if you just look up Spokane um, death metal, you're probably going to find an article on it. So I won't drop their name. Um, but there was this whole thing and uh, it just basically caused a whole divide in between our scene. And I just kind of threw a fit on Facebook about it. And um, I was like, oh, well, that's why no one wants to fucking come play Spokane, you know? And I just, you know, I decided right after that, I made that Facebook post, I would just try to work with my local promoter and just be like, Hey, very seriously, if you need help, like setting up shows or doing anything, just let me know. And I will be there. And so I just started showing up to shows. And eventually I met up with one of my buddies who was a photographer. Um, shout out to Phil Brunny of chaotic studios. Mm. Um, one of my best friends and he's a very talented producer, photographer, very catch all music 
person. Um, but yeah, that's sort of how I started getting into it. Um, and you know, when I started getting into photography, I wasn't very good, but I had, you know, I kind of had the right idea and it was just like a lot of playing around with it. And I kind of got spoiled because I got to shoot some pretty, I got to basically like practice on pretty large bands. Like the first show I ever got to shoot was Whitechapel, Slaughter to Prevail. Um, and it was the uh, the 10 Years of Exile tour. I can't remember who else was on it. I think it was like Chelsea Grin and Oceano. Mm. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's big. Um, and luckily no one was ever really kind of, you know, they weren't really jerks about any of it, you know, hmm. um, because I guess it was like, I wasn't charging. I wasn't like running my business yet. And I didn't really run into too many people that were just being dickheads about it, honestly. Right. And I kind of consider myself lucky for that. But um, there have been a couple of times where I would go to a show and um, another band that will not be named because hmm. I probably don't have to, because they were mentioned earlier. <laughs> um i had to look that up by the way i remember that i did not know that was in spokane oh yeah i think we that brought was, uh, I, yeah i think we brought that up on another podcast about what happened to that band which was kind of bullshit but anyway <laughs> yeah um anyways my opinions on you know that whole thing are just like whatever um but yeah there was one time when um a band that was, you know, they're pretty famous and they were doing a headlining tour. Um, they rolled through and, you know, they were coming in from Seattle, which is like, a, you know, right next to Olympia. So it's about four or five hour drive. Mm. And they got hit with some of the gnarliest traffic because I guess it was like a bunch of accidents on the highway and all that stuff and whatever. So they ended up being super late. Um, I don't think they ended up getting loaded in until about like maybe, I want to say probably like maybe 15 minutes before the doors even opened. No, Ooh. Jesus. <laughs> uh, Yikes. Which, you know, we actually try to keep it open specifically. We try to like do load in a, a few hours beforehand back then, just because, you know, travel times and all that stuff can change so rapidly. So, you know, whenever they get here, we just want them to be able to like load in and just get it done. Um, they ended up loading in pretty late. So, you know, on top of me being there with the venue to do photography, I was helping out with loading and stuff like that. And I was bringing some of their gear so we can help backline and they were just kind of being shitheads about it. <laughs> and it's like, I understand that you guys are frustrated and you're late, but I'm, I swear to God, I'm here to help. Please do not fucking talk down to me in any way. Wow. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, so if I ask you where the base cab, where you would like it to be on stage, please don't say over there where it always fucking goes. Uh, wow. I don't know what that means. <laughs> you know, wow. is this that this is that same band from that article? No, oh, okay. no, this is a different band entirely. Oh, oh. I've actually not to interrupt your story, but I've dealt with a local band that was that way. That's <laughs> funny. But yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, <laughs> that's even funnier to me because it's like, at the risk of being that guy, you are a fucking local band. Knock it off. Yeah, <laughs> Be oh, cool, man. Oh shit. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just I again, I consider myself really lucky in regards that I haven't really dealt with. A lot of people like being douchebags about me being a photographer and me being in the way because um especially over the past year or so i've developed this sort of method to where it's like it's kind of cool i can basically like take the photos upload them onto my ipad the second they're getting off stage and then like have photos ready for them by the time they are at the merch table you know mm. 
So it's like I can basically at, at the time that they're selling merch, I'm like, hey, so here's some of the stuff that I did for you tonight. If you want, I can, you know, I can work out a cool deal with you if you want to take these and use them for promotion and stuff like that. And that usually ends up being pretty cool. Um, I have had this happen to me a couple times, but when people will steal my iPad out of my hands. Jesus, like just grab it out of your hands? Yep. Don't fucking do that to me. Wow. <laughs> no. Jesus. <laughs> I am very protective over my stuff. Um, you know, it's like, I understand you want to be able to like get a better look at it, but it's like, here, if you want to get a better look at it, let me know. Yeah. Because especially in Spokane things, you know, van windows get broken into, um, you know, things get stolen all the time and, you know, shit like that. And it's like, I don't know you like that. Please don't grab things out of my hand. <laughs> right. So I don't know. Again, I consider myself to be really lucky in that regard. And mostly the reception to what I've done as a photographer has been pretty positive. Has, so, what's the process been like going from, you know, just being at concerts and taking pictures and sending it to the band next day to go from doing that to say, hey, if you want five pictures, it's, you know, this amount of money. What, how did you bridge the gap between doing it for free and starting to charge? Um, it's actually kind of funny. I didn't really start charging until about the beginning of this year. Um, and that was kind of like a weird confidence shift, you know, because I've always just been like, kind of like, you know, I'm just grateful that my favorite bands are sharing stuff that I've done for them. And, um, I didn't really think about the whole, like doing it while they were at the show thing until I saw a TikToker named Devin Rodriguez, who, um, he will literally just like he has like a pen and paper and he just draws people on the subway all, all the time. And then just get he'll and he'll have it done by the time they get off their stop and then just hand it to him, you know? And I was kind of inspired to do the, to like kind of do that with my photography in that way. And once I started getting like a good grasp on how to, you know, work with my program quickly, I was like, okay, I can, I feel like I can actually like start charging people on, like I can start, you know, asking people for, little bit here and there because like obviously i'm not spending too much time on it but it's like if i'm able to whip up something that looks cool pretty quickly that they want to use why not you know yeah. oh yeah i remember when i first met you at the inferi show and was the inferi in seattle it was uh rivers of nile yeah and uh I, I remember you doing that and showing it to i think it was uh not illustrium uh west hawks band alluvial right? Yeah. Yes. And I, I watched yeah. you take pictures of them. And then after they got broke down and they got back to their merch booth, you're just like, hey, man, I took some pictures of you. And you're just like, dude, that is so cool. That's a really good way to go out. That's actually a good way to connect with people, what he's doing. Like just yeah. a friendly photographer. And like, I should do that because, you know, I have that stupid. I forgot what Nikon can send it to your phone right away. And it's like, hey, I got a picture of you. Want to be friends? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Actually, your story reminded me of something that happened yeah, in some of us are a creep taking photos of them around here. That's okay. I look like one. But uh <laughs> there was a there was an incident in Lansing, some venue, and I guess the guy taking photos for the the band that was headlining, the uh security guard like grabbed him and beat the crap out of him and threw him out of the venue. And we they don't know why. And like the guy like I think you like press charges on the venue on that guy and the whole venue and it's like a big deal so it's like i don't know why 
the guy, the security, I guess the security guard had to fucking stick up his ass. So I mean, he just decided to beat up on that guy, but that's kind of messed up. Was the yeah. band the one with a lady vocalist that has a huge ego? Okay. Oh, no, no, no. Actually, it had nothing to do with the band, really. The, band, the okay. band's pretty cool, but like it just had, well, that's funny. No, it, uh, they just some, some guy they, I think he hired, they hired to like take pictures of him. The security guy just, beat the shit out of him and well he, he had recorded it on his phone you could see the phone kind of like shake and then fall on the floor and like there's so many witnesses i don't know what this has to do with anything but it's like that would suck you know you're trying to do a job for your band for the band and you get to see your shit stomped out of you from the security yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah for no reason well, incredibly shitty you know that's i luckily haven't had to really deal with security but i have had to deal with some shitty audience audience members because you know oh. if i don't really know anyone in the band i can't really like get backstage and like you know get the good angle so i kind of just have to take like audience vantage points yeah and i have had people like you know accidentally quote unquote knock into my camera while i'm trying to take pictures and like just kind of push me around and do that other shit and you know you can basically tell when it's kind of malicious or not yeah. And yeah, I've had some people like try to come at me for, you know, getting in the way. And it's like, I mean, I understand that you're frustrated, but it's like, give me two seconds. I'll be out of your way. I promise. <laughs> right. I mean, I know they're there for a reason. It's or they're taking pictures for the magazine, for the band. It's like, you can't be shitty about that because basically they're making, they're capturing this moment. <laughs> right. Oh, interesting. So I was going to actually come back to the beast era. So when all that hit in the good old 2020, what did you guys do during that? Like, how did that affect you guys as far as band or your work? Um, it was amazing for me, actually. That I know that's really messed up to say. No, I mean, I mean, a you, lot of you, people you, suffered, but... you obviously worked through it. So, you know, well, I mean, it, it wasn't. I mean, yeah, work. <coughs> but they also eliminated commissions during that time because a lot of people lost could have lost their jobs because, you know, bars had closed. Mm -hmm. So we, instead of firing a bunch of people, we just kind of like temporarily demoted people until we got back on track and took away bonuses, which I t totally agree with. Um, <laughs> so and I, I was working less, was still still making good money. But um, I used that time to get better at guitar because we released um, an album 2019 called Holocaust. Hmm. Um, and that was an album that's just all the stuff that we played live before we went on hiatus. So it was my vocalist and I were like, we have all these songs and they're just going to like evaporate. We should at least just put it out there. So we have it after, you know, a very long break, we recorded it and <clears throat> we enjoyed doing it again. It was just my vocalist and I, so we put it out and we're like, Dude, let's, let's do some more. Let's just, it'll just be you and I, we'll just, we'll have a drum machine. We'll program anything on a computer because I'm really good at doing stuff like that. Um, so I started writing another album and um, it went well. We released it 2021. Um, and yeah, just used that time just to get better at playing guitar and like <clears throat> actually practice and learn new things, something I never did before. And um, that that's what I did during the Beast time. Nice. You so yeah, you pretty much used it wisely. You didn't assume that well, we're death metal kids. Sometimes we're like, yeah, the world's falling down. We've heard this before, so we're just going to carry on. Yeah, I mean, er, again, it, it affected everybody differently, obviously. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. 
What about you, Brian? How did that era go for you? Um, I lost like 30 pounds. <laughs> were you, <laughs> were you uh, sick or did you get sick or? No, no. I just, for some reason, I don't know what it was about COVID. I just, I lost oh, like an insane amount of weight. Sorry, and I started, sorry. You say it once. Yeah. <laughs> um, I started to look like one of those aliens from Signs. I was getting so skinny. And, uh, um, but as far as like work life goes, I've always, for the past, I think like eight or nine years, I've always worked in medical. So I was not getting out of work, you know? Oh, wow. Uh, and I was at the time doing a uh, medical processing because, um, which is like, you know, sample processing for like labs and stuff like that, making sure everything goes where it needs to go, all that fun stuff. Hmm. Um, and so when COVID hit, um, don't say, say beast instead. Sorry, the beast. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> When the beast hit, um, I, yeah, it was, it was rough. My workload like tripled at work and, mm. um, you know, and I had, a, I had a pretty good agreement with my job. I actually had like written in my work contract where, um, if I needed to take time off to go to, you know, go photograph or help out with the show, I could do that by giving a day and taking a day and they couldn't like complain or make me take vacation time out of it or anything like that. Mm. So it, it was a pretty sweet deal. And then yeah the beast happened and you know that just went right out the window and my workload tripled so it's like i have no really no release of any kind and i'm just like 10 times more stressed out at my job mm. and um you know that just ended up kind of that was kind of a darker period of my life honestly yeah and like the first you know two years of lockdown is like, you know, I still was able to like get stuff done, you know, but it did have a pretty significant mental health toll on me, honestly. Mm. Yeah. As, as a lot of people, which is, this sucks, you know? I mean, I feel like, I feel like everybody's a lot better now, right? I mean, you, you could honestly say that right now that you're in a better place, correct? Oh, definitely. Mentally. That's good. It's good to hear. Uh, yeah. For, for multiple reasons, but you know, it's just, I think it was just that uncertainty of like, you know, life will never be the same again after this, you know? Yeah. I mean, to me, life is a lot different, but yet it's not like people are still being shitheads even before this, because again, I bring up on the show that we lost a lot of shows, you know, live music was put on a hiatus and then people are still being, cocksuckers now and it's like did you not learn you know like to, to be a lot more grateful for what you have i guess not whatever i don't know or well, i was gonna ask but you didn't join the band till november correct right uh, so were you in another band then or, or uh, you- i've been trying to start you know projects here and there they just i end up just getting bored of working with myself oh. <laughs> and um you know i it's funny because I've actually known of No Living Witness from the MySpace era, and I remember the first CP that came out from seeing it on YouTube and stuff like that. So when mm-hmm. Sam hit me up on Facebook, he was like, hey, you know, I know I don't really know you, but I play No Living Witness, blah, blah, blah. And I actually told him, like, oh, yeah, no, I remember seeing your band, like, way back in the day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, and, yeah, I didn't really have too much else musically going on. I've always just kind of had a harder time kind of getting something off the ground oh, so they're they're technically your first band is what you're saying 
Uh, no. No. Um, okay. I had a couple other bands when I was living out in California. Oh. Um, I used to play in this band called Halo of Gunfire from the Central Coast, hmm. and it was it was kind of a weird thing. Um, you know, I was going through. Uh, you know, my parents were like trying to force going to college on me at the time, you know, yeah, and gross. trying to make something of myself. And I was just kind of a delusional teenager of like, no, it's okay, mom and dad, I can make a big playing death metal herder. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, it was, I, you know, that was also another weird period of my time because my mom was going through, you know, chemotherapy and all mm. this other crap. And um, there was a lot of weird emotions. And I was just honestly just a naive kid. I, I wasn't even 21 at the time. And, you know, I got to play some pretty cool shows with them that I will always like, you know, carry that with me. Mm. But, you know, it's definitely one of those things where it's like, you know, hindsight's always 2020. I would definitely do things differently now had I, had I known, you know? Yeah. So what, what, so you're from California or what brought you up there? Um, <laughs> I'm, nosy, I'm nosy as hell. Sorry. Oh no, you're good. Um, uh, I did come on the podcast to talk, right? Um, so, I I don't remember. Uh, I think Brandon said that he's from like out east, right? And then uh, Ed, you're probably from. Oh, we're both from Indiana. Yeah, we're both from Indiana. I'm sorry. I'm I've apologized for that too. Oh, got gotcha, you. No worries. Yeah. Um, so basically, the living situation out in California where I was at was, um, you know, I used, I am from Santa Maria, Central Coast, like San Luis Obispo, mm. um, which is like three hours going up the 101 uh, mm. northbound from L.A. That's where the Music yeah. Man factory is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that was like one of our claim to fames. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I used to go up to San Luis party all the time. But anyways, um, it's about like a six hour drive to San Francisco and up there, it was getting to the point to where it was getting to be like upwards of $2,000 for a small apartment. Oh. So yeah. And obviously if you guys talk to anybody from California, things have not gotten too much better. So it just basically boiled down to like, I was working this shitty cook job hmm. and I couldn't afford to just, pay anything so i decided you know why don't i go work a job up in alaska for six months and you know just you know uh go work 16 hours a day seven days a week and just make a crap ton of money in six uh you know six months and just see what my options are after that mm. and um i ended up kind of staying with my dad for a little bit because he lives out in uh the Coeur d'Alene area um and you know, I just ended up making some friends here through, you know, the promoters and the music scene here out in Spokane because, you know, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho is like, it's a rock toss eastbound from here. Um, but yeah, so I ended up moving here just because I feel like I didn't really have too many other options, but I ended up meeting my wife here and, you know, settling down. So I guess it worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds like it. His wife's then- badass. She is also a photographer. And she also she also purchases way too much of our merch, and I need to have a sit oh down. Oh my god! It. It's so funny because I'll I'll get the notification, and be like, "Oh sweet, a merch order," and it'll be from his wife. And be like, Brian, you know your wife could just like <laughs> grab it from us. <laughs> she doesn't have to pay for it. Shit, I, my <laughs> wife. I don't think my wife even wears our. Well, okay, she does. Wears a band T-shirt, but yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I uh, no, she, yeah, sorry. 
Uh, she is way too supportive, and I can't begin to thank her enough for it. God, she's so supportive. Ugh. You guys, yeah, I know, ins- gross. You guys inspired me to write like a, a death metal song about like fucking landlords, because that's the most brutal thing out there right now. Like how everything's just charging and for what they have and shitty apartments they don't want to fix. Like, how come there's no death metal song about that? I like to write stupid like death metal songs, like and put little videos on them with them because it seems like that's the thing to just make a little viral video but man i have thought of the landlord when you inspired me to do the cost of living you said was like almost two grand for an apartment yeah yeah that was like uh 2014 i could very well be wrong but i remember like seeing some like advertisements um specifically from people like uh, michael alvarez you know from club at the time because i kind of knew him and yeah, he was. He, I remember him making a Facebook post on it saying, like, yeah, dude, like living in the Bay Area is like crazy expensive. I need some roommates. And I was just like, God damn, dude, I got to get out of here. <laughs> They've made, if you knew anything about the little shithole that I'm from, it's just a little podunk town, nothing fancy, not anything. They got the circus. Well, yeah, we have the circus, <laughs> circus capital of the world here. But. They've made these new apartments and they're charging almost $2,000. I'm pretty sure a month. And I was like, for this town, really? But apparently that's rent anymore for renting apartments. It's close to $1,500 to $2,000 around here now. It's insane. What's the Um, the apartment complex called? The clown complex? I don't even (laughs) know. Sorry. I I like to tease them about the, the whole clown thing and, circus in his they have a clown union here for real <laughs> the funniest thing i've ever heard <laughs> i mean yeah they gotta be represented too though you know so i get it that's true it's clown town uh, so like are you close to like bloomfield i think it is blooming is it bloomington, bloomington. it's bloomington yeah. no i'm okay. i'm north of indianapolis which is the central of the state i'm about 70 miles north i literally live in the middle of nowhere like so the like, biggest the bi- the bigger towns are at least over an hour away. You live like an air force base, like down yeah. The, road from here. the reason this town was on the map was there used to be an air force base, not too far from here, and the every year they have an amateur circus, and it's supposedly one of the <laughs> biggest circuses every year. That big parade and everything else, and it used to be like this huge thing. Anymore, it's not as big as it used to be, but it has a circus hall of fame here in this town and other stuff, and they literally claim it's the circus capital of the world i don't know if that's true that's just what this town claims it is it's impressive well uh if i remember correctly too uh indiana's kind of uh like they're not so for lack of a better term gracious with their minimum wages and stuff like that right no yeah so we are very very 1800s in this state yeah (laughs) We couldn't even buy beer or alcohol on Sundays up until what five years ago? Something Jesus. like that. Yeah, we we're, we still don't have legal weed. We're just like every basic, state around us. Basically, I think like Andy Griffith should be our our our, our uh, governor. State mo- or no, should be our uh, mascot, Andy Griffith, because that's what I feel like that show Mayberry. Like Mayberry, the whole town, this whole state is like the town of Mayberry. Everything closes early when it needs to. Everybody's got to go to church. But everyone goes to jail overnight because they're on meth. Oh, that too. <laughs> yeah, we got meth here too. Yeah, it's everywhere, sadly. It's inescapable. It's pretty brutal in itself. 
uh, yeah, for a I while, look, the heroin outbreak was a pretty big thing too. Yeah, that's what uh, we're pretty close to Aberdeen here in Olympia, and uh, you know that's where Kurt Cobain's from. Uh, really big heroin problem for a while. Now it's in Shelton. Super fun. <laughs> I just saw something posted today. They have a park in Clown Town, and uh, <laughs> apparently there is complaints from these juveniles that are always up there causing damage to the park and they always find syringes and everything else. People are like, well, I'll take my kids up there. I was like, well, don't do I mean, that. at this rate, what, what do you expect? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to stop being surprising after a certain point, right? They have little emergency things that they thought was a great idea. They put up these emergency, uh, it was like mailboxes, but it's for you to put in your used needles. They have them stationed not too far from there and some other strategic locations among the town. Like, that's just saying that you have a fucking problem and this is the only way you're trying to help it is by having a place for them to get rid of their needles instead of trying to solve the problem of why they're on the needles in the first place. Yeah, it's uh, it's complacency. That's clown town. <laughs> um, God, yeah, that's wild. We're, we're we're again we're the asshole of the universe welcome to indiana <laughs> i live more close i more I live more north not that it's any different i'm like by notre dame area i'm sure you guys know that team oh yeah okay yeah, yeah that's where i'm close <laughs> the to the team the college the, the college whatever yeah <laughs> it's like what what part of india notre dame oh yeah i've heard of them so that's the only universal way i can express where i'm from <laughs> yeah with the hunchback right yes yeah <laughs> And that's a whole dark, that's a whole dark story in itself. I guess the real story, but anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, no, dude, I heard that book is like, you know, growing up, the, the Disney movie was like one of my favorite Disney movies of all time. But it's like I actually read the book. You would like, have a favorite Disney movie. <laughs> um, you're talking to the man that unironically watches Bluey every night because that's very true. It, it's just such a good palate cleanser. He doesn't um, have <laughs> kids, and he watches Bluey. Hey, Bluey is a good cartoon. What's Bluey? I do, I do have kids. I don't have kids. What's Bluey? You don't know what the fuck Bluey is? No, dude. So it's like a show about Australian, uh, you know, it's like a family of blue healers. And it's just, it's got good morals. And I don't know, it's, it's a kid show, but it has like a lot of adult humor in it, like a lot of kid shows do. And that's, huh. you know, um like one episode, they called the car wash the uh, the hairy monster attack, and once they revealed that it was in fact the car wash, I laughed hysterically for like five minutes. <laughs> no, I've never heard of it. <laughs> I gotta watch a lot of TV, I guess. Damn, I'm behind. Ed doesn't have kids, which he would have no reason to know what Bluey is, but you not don't that have I, kids either. But not that I know of. <laughs> not that um, you know of. Right. I go over to my sister's house to play D and D all the time, and you know, for her kids, she's always got Bluey on, so I'm very familiar with the show. Gotcha. Hell yeah! It came out like cool. four or five years ago, I think, and my four year old used to watch it, and then she really started watching it in the last two years, and now my two year old loves it too. So I can't yeah. escape it. Yeah. That and Coca Melon. Never got behind that one. Nope. <laughs> It, I've, I've no fucking be clues. grateful. Be I have no grateful. clue what you guys are fucking talking about. That's funny. <laughs> Hashtag uh, children. Right. 
Hashtag I miss DuckTales. DuckTales is a great ass show. I'm old. I believe <laughs> they started redoing it. I think my kids were watching it the other day. Yeah, I saw I saw clips of him like that ain't no DuckTales. Get that shit out of here. They have like updated Ninja Turtles stuff too. And that, have, that yeah, I that's the same thing. Get that shit out of here. I have all the old ones on DVD. I bought like a box set of them off Amazon. And nice. I was letting my daughter watch them because she likes Ninja Turtles, but it's not the same. I was like, no, these are better. Watch these. <laughs> Don't watch the ones that are right? on TV now. Yeah. Oh, damn. Bless you. Somebody's got, somebody's got the beast. <laughs> no, no I, allergies been kicking my butt and i think it was funny we got back from our our little tour uh we got back from our my place here and brian took a nap and woke up you know, like 45 minutes later and he was just completely stuffed up and he's like dude it's a good circle son. <laughs> it's weird to me that you guys would have allergies the only time i've been up in oregon and washington was right at hood river basically on oh, yeah. Columbia, so it's just right across. Drove a bridge over into Washington, so I was in Washington. But the air up there, and I've said this, I think on the actual podcast, we just... Yeah, you're, this, you guys are our second Oregon guests. But the air is just so clean up there to me, like, compared to where we're at here, like, I could breathe differently. It just smelled crisp and clear up there. It's the only way I can describe it. Well, I think part of it was like we ended up uh, sleeping with the van window cracked and in bend it's pretty it's pretty dry. Mm. And I wonder if that's kind of what messed us up when we slept there overnight was like we just ended up, you know, getting super stuffed up and, you know, congested somehow. Or maybe I caught something from one of the kids at that show, but who knows? <laughs> so you guys went on like a mini tour, correct? Just recent? Yeah. How it was, was the uh, Sorry. It was really good. Um, it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, because um, we all have jobs where we just can't take time off. Right, right. Now. right. Um, so that's how we do it. We just we don't do one offs. We do at least two shows at a time. So it's really worth worth it. Otherwise, you know, you drive 10 hours round trip just for one show. It just kind of sucks. Mm. Um, and you just you go to the venues like alone. You're not like paired up with another band or we, we prefer to find another band. Um so in September, when we came back, um, we did two shows with uh, two of our friends. Uh, one of them is called Blighted Eye. They're like black metal. And the other one is Odyssey. And they're from actually where Brian lives. Mm. Um, so we did two shows with them. And then in November, we did uh, two shows in Portland and Astoria. And we did it with a band in Portland called Lunea. And they're like good, uh, like uh, progressive almost deathcore-ish, I would say, like Rivers of Nile style. Mm. And then this last run, we did it with Greybush from Humboldt, California, and Broken Glass Sanctuary from Bay Area. Nice. So that way, that way we can create like a tour flyer with all the bands on it, <clears throat> and it's, it's less confusing that way, yeah. rather than just posting a bunch of different flyers for different shows that just doesn't look as con congruent i think is the word i want to use hopefully yeah so yeah. I, so basically yeah the, the the shows were a good turnout correct yeah well so bend was amazing bend was by far one of the best shows we've ever played in like our whole career nice um it was already all ages and these kids they showed up dude they were so good and they were they were there for live music extreme music they didn't care if it was a deathcore band they didn't care if it was a metal band or 
technical. They just they just wanted to rock out, and mm. they were so receptive. And you know, we we do a lot of dynamic stuff in our music. Like we have breaks where it's kind of clean, and my vocalist kind of put his arms up in the air and started swaying, mm. and like literally every kid in the audience just it was like eighty maybe sixty kids with their hands up and waving with us it was <laughs> it was nuts nice um we're not a, like a big band so we don't have no but it's good to he- yeah it's oh, good God, to hear yeah. like you're but the reception's good like i feel like out here it's like kind of hit or miss but there's not enough death metal black metal bands around here anyway so it's like it's good to hear that things are on the upswing for de- well for death metal in general like it's kind of interesting how popular it is now back in the day in the high school kids like myself would just be the outcast kids and the scarier music that's scarier than metallica because most people couldn't stomach metallica because it was quote too heavy and it was at the time but now it's like it's interesting how death metal and then technical death metal is accepted widely now i i i like it as my young teenage self would be crying right now and and tears of joy (laughs) so (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. That's just how I feel about that. And uh, yeah, so Bend was really good. And Yakima was kind of a glorified band practice. That was one of the shows we just booked at a venue. It wasn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it was a venue. It was a, a bar. They, they, he was very nice. But, you know, they don't, he's not a promoter. The dude just runs the bar. You know, he made sure we were fed, showed us the four track mixer that was our PA. <laughs> and we played. I, th- I think maybe. Brian, maybe what 10 20 people were in attendance at the show maybe and i think it's just kind of shady to say but i feel like a lot of those people were there because they're regulars not even because they heard about the show oh yeah well i think like, i feel like there maybe they, there might have been six people there that came because oh. they knew it was a show like your buddy came out yeah yeah my buddy from uh, uh yeah. cold hearts shout out to them and there were a couple <laughs> chicks there that were there for the music Um, oh yeah but and then tacoma was cool the thing about washington when it's hot out is when it gets hot people just want to either not leave their house because it's too hot outside or they want to go to the beach yep so like the bars did like no business this week because it was so dead so it was it was hard to get people to go to the show and we had a competing show in seattle which is about 30 miles away it was archaic first fragment gray lotus and mm. uh what was the other band right <laughs> i cannot remember it's like that deathcore band i'm gonna look it up first fragments freaking nasty dude they're crazy and see, i if i wasn't playing the show i would i would have been at that show because they're all i love archaic and first fragment never comes to the states so it's i've actually was going to try to reach out to them about coming on an episode sometime but i don't know how about contact them i guess i have to creep around and see if i can find a way of contacting them creeper um the other band was awakened providence yeah that's the one good job that reminds Um, yeah that reminds me we're up I was telling you we're playing a show the next weekend with a band from Michigan and a death metal band from here, which is pretty cool. We're called Severhead Shop. And oh, hell yeah. That? The dude's uh, side project from uh, Flesh Bo- uh, 
Yeah, Fleshbore. We're actually interviewing Michael from Fleshbore on Thursday. Hell yeah, I wore his tank top all weekend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, the other members have been carrying Vale as well, so... That's what it is. Carry Unveil, not, yeah, not Fleshboard. Yeah, we, we played it's, with them one time. They'd, they'd came to, a band brought them in Gagosian. That's when I heard of Carry Unveil. But it's funny because they, they share members with Pev Severed and Carry So they swap members. There used to be a guy from my town that was in Carry Unveil years ago, like mm. 14 years ago. That's how long that band's actually been around. That's cool. You've heard from, I've heard of them all the way out there. They, they probably definitely appreciate that. Yeah. Tell them if, no, no Living Witness says hi when they come on. I will, I'll just tell them myself, like they're friends of mine, but uh, I was going to say like Machine Head was supposed to play like uh, about in Fort Wayne and then they canceled. So I'm kind of glad because that would probably would affected our show because it's a Saturday and it's Machine Head. I'm not a huge fan of Machine Head, but whatever. (laughs) Yeah. So so I'd have to, we'd have to compete with that show, which would suck. Anyway, that just reminded me of that. Hell yeah. It's kind of funny that you guys know the bands around here. Like Sever Head Shop's actually pretty good buddies with us. So it's. They're my friends, dude. Don't be stealing my friends. Hey, I think uh, <laughs> I, I think you were the one that sent them to me when I booked them on that one show, weren't you? I know. I was like, yeah, they were, they were real nice guys. I'm like, hey, guys, go over here. <laughs> I, I try to do that. I try to be the nice guy and help out my friends' bands because, like, <laughs> I don't know the vocalist's name offhand, but he we always thought he looked like Slender Man. We even told him that we're like, dude, you just remind me of Slender Man. He, he reminds me of like Nosferatu, like the yeah. old cartoon or black and white. Yeah. And this is the uh, vocalist for Fleshboard? No, uh Severed Headshop. Oh, uh, so Severed Headshop, I know the guitarist Ryan. He's yeah. the guy that's in uh, Carry On Veil, vale, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, swaps, and then the drummer is kind of playing for Carry On Veil vale right now. Yeah, they, the drum. The he's drummer like their quit. tour drummer. Yeah, the drummer quit. He's got like oh, that's right, because uh, life duties, life happens. Yeah, life happens, and like yeah. that guy's amazing. I'm like, before he joined Carry On Veil, vale, he was someone told me I should hit him up to try and jam with my band. So I was getting ready to message him, and he'd already joined Carry On Veil. Vale. Like fuck. <laughs> hey see what he's doing now like now that like you have kids you might be able to make it work like just dad time dad time band practice yeah I, I had to wait till my kids got old enough where i knew it wouldn't have a negative impact on them to start doing stuff again yeah, yeah well as i said life life happens like you said so it's like t- trying to make everything work and you have obviously you know you still work and then go play shows so you know that's good that you able to do that versus just completely quitting yeah <laughs> and my shout out to my wife yeah for yeah making it happen because it's definitely not easy to be like hey i'm gonna go play music and hang out in bars for a whole weekend while you're alone with the kids bye right um so she's she's amazing super supportive when we when i first met her i that's when i was really into the band mm-hmm. um so she knows it's my thing and she supports the heck out of it it's, i was gonna say does awesome. she like that stuff or she just supports you because yeah. she loves you she loves me she does yeah. not like metal at all <laughs> that's like my wife my my wife's kind of similar she likes a few things yeah she, like she's heard some death metal vocals and she said did he say that i'm like yeah he did that's funny yeah <laughs> she knows um she's she knows one vocalist's vocal style 
and she'll just be like, is this Abigail Williams or is this Vale of Nath? Like she knows Ken's voice really well just because of how, he, how shrill he is. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's that guy, about it. That guy's in everybody's band. Yeah, he <laughs> is. He's he's a man whore in yeah. so many ways. Yeah. Awesome. Shit. Well, if you guys got anything else you want to talk about, we can get to that or we can get to the point to where we promote your band and play some music from you guys. Yeah, you can promote us. I don't think I have anything else. <laughs> awesome. I mean, you can tell them about how you screwed up our menu this weekend. <laughs> oh, dang it. Okay, so he has an axe effects. <laughs> so he has an axe effects. And I Which have one? Like a... Which one? I'm a nerd. Sorry. Uh, uh, okay. I actually oh, old got school. it. Um, I bought it as a birthday gift to myself from Vance from Vale of Mouth, actually. Nice. And but so there's three MIDI ports in the back of it. One says through, one says out, one says in. And uh, it went fine the first show. All the changes, all the MIDI switches happened appropriately. And then um, uh, we must have unplugged it, packing it up. And then I packed it, packed it back in for the second show. And it was just dirty tone. It wasn't going to clean or lead. If we're about to play, we just look at each other. We just shrug like, all right, well, let's just go. And uh, after playing the two shows on the wrong channels, I get home and I, I bust out last night and I just had the, the MIDI port in through instead of in. Fired. It was seriously a five-second fix. Not even that. All I had to do was look. It is it is hard <laughs> when you go back there without a flashlight. It's annoying how much ports that one has. Oh, no, we have, we have a really good rig. It lights yeah. up so we can get in there really well but oh. it was just we i think our dumb caveman brain we're <laughs> like oh, it's a technical issue it's gonna yeah. take forever i don't want to mess with it right now have like well, I mean, yeah you know that was kind of why i wasn't mad about it at all was because a we were able to make it work and b it was like you know when you we didn't really think about it beforehand, so that's why we didn't really mess with it. And by the time that we remember, like, oh, shit, this is backwards, like, we didn't really have time to fix it because we were, like, getting pushed on stage and, like, go, 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 you know? And it's like, all right, well, guess we're doing it again. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I'm genuinely, like like I said, I'm not mad about it at all. We, right. we made it work. We have a... And, we have a pretty unique system. You know, a lot of bands play to in-ear click, but we have a laptop that runs samples, bass, um, out of two different outputs. So when we go on stage, you know, we hand people the cable, like, this is the bass, this is direct, this, these are the samples, and then we have two vocal mics because we have in-ear monitors. Um, and you, you don't have a bassist? I thought no, you not, do. we do have a bassist. He's just not playing shows with us until June. Um, oh, he's okay. getting caught up with the stuff because our stuff is just so technical and so hard to play. It's taking forever. No, I'm just kidding. He just has a lot going on. He's cool. he's going to a wedding uh, in like two days for mm -hmm. a whole weekend. So, and he's also getting caught up. But yeah, it's it's always nerve wracking when we have all these in ear monitor and unique way of playing live. When we get on stage, it's like, oh, we gotta go. We gotta set this all up. But if something goes wrong, it's just, yep. just just ball soup in my undies. And you know, it's so much easier when you're just like a metal band. You just go up there with your rig and you just start playing, which is great. But we have all these things that we like because we're we're fancy pants and we have to have things a certain way. Do you guys just use the laptop or do you have a we used a headphone amp and a laptop. The laptop 
we've actually had to play shows without a drummer, but we luckily had everything programmed from the album. So we had the live tracks and the drums mm. on, on the laptop, but we have a headphone amp. So you can put in multiple tracks from the inputs from the headphones, and then you just split your signal. One, like even when the drummer had the headphones on, you could have a click in one ear and he could hear the live oh, stuff yeah. in the other ear. So what we have is we have a digital mixer and in-ear monitors, and each of us has our own channel. So in my in-ear monitors, I have in my left ear, my guitar. In center is the click. In the right is bass, his guitar, and a little bit of samples. Um, and then LJ, our vocalist, he has his vocals pretty loud with the click, with uh, mine and Brian's guitar in each respective ear. And then Brian's mix. I'm not sure what yours sounds like. <laughs> um, you're in my right. And then I don't really hear LJ that much. Um, but I'm getting to the point to where I think I might actually go ahead and um, I don't really think I like having both ears in at the same time because it's kind of claustrophobic for me. Yeah. So I'm wondering if next time I come over, we can actually mess with that. I haven't mean to talk with you about that. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah, we'll figure something out. But, um, but yeah, and I think I have click centered, if I remember. Yeah, it's like click and kick are both centered. And yeah, and then I usually can just hear samples from like the house for some reason. Oh, yeah. That, I, I, mean, I keep the samples in our ears just so like if we somehow lose time, like the samples aren't going to lose time. <laughs> but they right. You have a kid beside you, or is that a ghost? Yeah, I have a child. <laughs> I didn't see that. I was like, wait. So who programs all that? Do you do that? I do, yeah. Man, that's like, I want to do that, but I don't want to do all the work for my band. For That's what Devin did with us. He literally just like did all the live tracks, and he split because, them all, and then all the clicks. Because we have a guitarist who could probably do it. The other guitarist could probably do it because he works at Guitar Center. At least that's his claim to fame. But it's like, right. I, I don't. I already do enough work for the band. I don't want to like, does that make sense? Like, yeah, I do it. I yeah, do it enough. Is a lot of work, dude. So like I, I do all of that. I do our production. I do our mixing. I do mm. all social media. I also do all of the art for our albums and our shirts. Mm. Um, because me doing all that saves us hundreds and hundreds, right. and hundreds and that's of dollars. really like it, nowadays you have to know more than just your instrument you got to know like everything social media photo photography videography it's like it's just one more thing i don't want to add you know it's like why don't somebody else in the fucking band learn how to program and use the click track if we have to i mean well brian yeah. makes memes for us which is half of our social <laughs> but he's also a photographer so like he can take pictures yeah. it'd save you a lot of money but like yeah, yeah. Um, Oh man, it's not fun wearing all the hats. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's just... I like it because I like to stay busy. Like, mm. if if I get home from work and I'm done with the kids, like my idea of unwinding isn't watching TV or a movie. My idea of unwinding for my day is creating. So mm. I genuinely like uh, doing all this stuff. Mm. I like I guess, staying busy. Yeah. I guess my band is like doesn't work as hard and for me to work even harder like that is not it's just i don't know if that makes it's sense. frustrating it'd be frustrating that's the whole reason why i don't want to get into learning how to program that stuff <laughs> it was well, like, I mean, yeah i mean i don't know 
it might sound like a cop-out answer, but I feel like bands do tend to generally tend to function better when there's kind of like one guy at, you know, one guy with the reins and his hands. And I, whether or not I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if we have, it seems like we have two different hats because like when it comes to all the overall stuff, like I'm the band dad, but when it comes to us being at shows and on tour, our drummer, Devon, Brent, Devin, um, <laughs> band he's, <of> Brent. <laughs> he's the band dad. Where he's like, all right, we need to be at the venue ours. Let's leave now. And he he just kind of says, Hey, let's load this stuff in. And he tells us where to put everything just because he has his way of doing things. And and if there's someone in control to tell us what to do, then I'm for it. Well, why are people with the name Dev and ta talented people? You ever notice yeah, that? Yeah, that's just yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's just how it goes. Very talented. I don't understand. Either they're the most talented or the laziest types of people. There's no in between. <laughs> or, or a combination of both. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you guys have a song that you would want us to feature on here to close out this episode? Um, depends on how long. So we have our popular song that's like five-ish minutes called Dimensions of Diviner Sage, which is very just it's a tech death song with a lot of yes. ambience, ambiance yes. to it. And then we have uh, the song we open our live set with called Discarded Ember from the Universal Flame, which is, I think, about nine minutes long. Um, Holy and that shit. one's a little bit aggressive. <laughs> Do you guys uh, play that live? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. it's awesome. Damn. It's, it's about two minutes of an intro. Like, it's a kind of a clean, and it builds up, and then it just... Mm hits really hard with like dual vocals and leads and it's just it's really epic whatever you guys want we don't have a limit on time so brian you I was, actually, I was actually thinking uh individual sovereignty ah we don't play that live though i love that song though and i think we <laughs> should start playing it live again <laughs> fine uh individual sovereignty then well that song is also about nine something minutes long it's that, uh that's okay it uh it's it's very groovy song groovy baby um and uh, has a lot of breaks and it is very dynamic and i think there's a little bit of clean vocals in that too Sick. yeah mm. yeah mix of everything yeah just send over a wave file and then i can get it added to the end of the episode cool man but yeah i definitely we appreciate you guys coming out here and talking with us heck yeah thank yeah. you yeah thank you for having us Yes. And again, you are where can everyone check you guys out at? Where are you available at? No Living Witness can be streamed on every single streaming platform ever. <laughs> we are on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Grinder. Only Slams. Only Slams. Poop uh, uh, Map. Poop Map. <laughs> oh, we did not update that this weekend. Shoot. No, we did not. <laughs> Um, yeah, anywhere that you can stream music or be social with any Sick. kind of musician is just at no living witness. Wait, hell yeah. hell yeah! Well, again, guys, we appreciate you guys coming to talking to us. It's been a hell of a night. Yeah, heck yeah. We're gonna yeah, roll it out here. If you want to say the name of the song again, uh, this song is called Individual Sovereignty. Awesome. <laughs>